Thank you, Adam. So funny story, Adam and I actually both have the same shirt and we randomly wear it on the same Sundays. So this morning when I decided that, well, when my wife told me I should wear this shirt, I texted Adam and, with a picture of it and said, it's my turn. <laughs> now the good thing is John Batterman's not here. He would have pulled my man card for that. Um, so yes, uh, Justine and I have, uh, we've been at Lake Sam for 16 years. Um, actually, my parents are here. Say hi to my parents, John and Lori. Um, Justine and I sit on the right side of, of, the, the, audi of the auditorium here. So if you sit over here, we don't know you. Hi. <laughs> um, nine of the years that we've been at Lake Sam, and I'm kinda, I feel like I'm ringing. I don't know if it's my ears or if it's in there. Um, so for nine of the years, we were actually on staff here at Lake Sam as youth pastors and, well, all sorts of other things that come along with being on staff at Lake Sam. Um, we have three kids. Uh, this, was, this was yesterday. We're at the pumpkin patch. Um, and actually, uh, Zeke, it's his, uh, it's his second birthday today. So happy birthday, Zeke. Um, so I work at uh, World Vision. It's a Christian humanitarian relief and uh, development organization. I love my work. Um, I, I love what I do for a living, um, but I also love this church. I love my church family, and I'm happy to be here to share with you today. So we're in the Empowered series. We are, uh, we are working our way through Luke, and I've, I've loved this Empowered series. I walk away every week inspired by what Kurt is saying. I'm encouraged to go out and live in greater ways, in an empowered way. But weekly, I come back and I think, I haven't put into practice anything that Kurt talked about that week. Life is busy. Life is full. I've got too much going on. I, I, don't, I don't even think about what I wanted to be doing coming out of that sermon. So that's kind of where I want to go today. Um, I want to say, God, how can I overcome that? How can I put aside the distractions of busyness and fullness of life and actually do what it is, it is that you're asking me to do? Um, so we're in Luke 16. There are two groups of people that Jesus is talking to. He's talking to the Pharisees, uh, the religious leaders. They were the kind of the famous people. They were the ones that everyone wanted to, everyone wanted to be. They wanted to follow them. They were the the wealthy wannabes. They wanted to hang out with the rich people and look like they were, they were all that. Um, they were, they were self-consumed. They thought about themselves. And then his other audience members were the, the disciples, a group of fishermen and a tax collector and other random professions. Probably weren't the most revered in their communities. Definitely weren't the wealthiest. But that's who Jesus is talking to as we're in uh, Luke 16. <clears throat> Starting verse 13, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. The Pharisees who dearly loved their money heard all this and scoffed at him. Then he said to them, you like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your hearts. 
And then continuing in verse 19, Jesus said, there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, son, remember that during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least, I, at least send him to my father's home for I have five brothers and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. The rich man represents the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And truthfully, their lives should have led to eternal life. Jesus is giving them a wake-up call. He's trying to save them. He's trying to rattle their cages and say, you're missing the point of faith in God. You grew up knowing the scriptures. You should understand faith. You should understand that being a child of God means you don't have to live for yourself. I feel this in my own life. I listen to Kurt each week and, and, walk, and want to walk away in everything God has for me, but there are so many urgent distractions. Today, we're going to use this story from Luke to say, God, help, I don't want to be like the Pharisees. I want to live for you. I want to walk out this empowered life. You with me? Does that work? All right, Andy Davey. It's gonna pray. I don't have a spiel about Andy, but I like him. <laughs> Father, thank you so much for this church. I'm just so grateful for that you haven't left us, that you, you speak to us each week, and that you are changing our lives. Father, I pray for this one, son, as Josh speaks, Lord, that you perform a miracle in our hearts so that it would be good soil this morning. That the Lord said, Josh speaks, Lord, through you, that your word would find good soil in our hearts and that it would not be just another Sunday. And that you would bring about change in our lives, change that um, is everlasting, that goes beyond a couple of days, goes beyond a couple of days. Father, I also lift up uh, the Assembly of God Church in Reverend. Mm. Father, I pray that uh, you would continue to uh, pour out your spirit on them as they reach out to the community of Reverend. And that would be very effective for all the schools that's around. 
Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's put ourselves in the shoes of this rich man, in the shoes of the Pharisees. What is Jesus saying to me? Is there something I need to know? Am I missing something? Are the distractions of life so much that I'm missing something? Here's the hard part for me when I think about that. I feel like if I ask God what I'm missing, he's actually gonna give me an answer. (laughs) And I'm afraid that he's gonna ask me to add something else to my life, to add something more to my already busy and full life. But, so, thinking of me and what, what I think of adding something, What is so huge that I'm afraid that he would tell me to do that? Mario and Sherry. Was it two weeks ago? They stood right up here and told us that, what's that? Last week. They stood up here and told us the Holy Spirit had led them to sell everything, to trust him and just go. That's scary. Jonathan and Michelle Liu, five years ago, packed up their family and took them to go serve Jesus. I actually think something scarier than that for me, Kurt has talked about wanting to be, feeling called to inner city ministry. That's actually almost even more scary to me, to have to look at the people in my community, the, the hurting, the needy, and have to pour myself out to them, have to give my time and my energies and my monies to them. That freaks me out. But truth, I think I have, I have to admit that I've put each of these groups of people on a pedestal. That what they're doing is the right thing. Is the thing that, you know, it's the thing that takes you out of your comfort zone and that's the only way to live for God. Is to do these huge, amazing things. But I'm busy, I'm actually overwhelmed. I have three kids who require all of me. I have a wife who's been sick for a long time. Work is crazy, busy, demanding. I'm maxed out. I don't have the capacity to do any more, to add another thing to my life. I'm guessing a lot of you feel that way, right? But as I'm thinking through this, and I'm thinking through Luke 16. I'm in the rich man's shoes. I felt like the Holy Spirit point out the words that I was saying. I'm not capable. I don't have the capacity. I'm busy. I'm maxed out. This isn't my comfort zone. I'm in the shoes of the rich man. And just like he did, I made myself the one and only part of this equation. I'm focused on me and all I could do was look inside myself. Guys, I've taken God out of the equation. All of my reasons for not wanting to add things to my life, my busyness, my hecticness, none of them involved him. And here's what I know about God. Here's what I believe the scriptures point to. God isn't gonna ask you to do something that he isn't going to also provide for. 
He, if he asks you to do something, he has either already given you exactly what you need for that, or he's going to provide it to you. This is who our God is. And so I have become a self-reliant. I have become self-reliant like the rich man. But here's where I'm different from the rich man. I actually want to help Lazarus. I want to see the needy people. I want to be able to pour out and give to them. I have said yes to the God. I have regular devotions in Bible and prayer. I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. I'm in. The rich man had a heart attitude problem. My problem is an execution. I want to do more. I want to live a greater and more empowered life. But I just don't get it done. Busyness and fullness of life get in the way. Now this is weird for me because I'm actually the guy who gets things done. My greatest strengths are in execution. When I was on staff here, Kurt would always say, Josh is the get it done guy. But why can't I hear? The problem is I get things down with my head, with my head down. I'm working on what's in front of me. This is the only thing that matters. Nothing else matters around me. I'm not looking up to see what's next, where else, where else I might go, or what God's doing. This is all that matters, and this is why I get things done. So the perfect example of this, um, I think it was about a year ago, I stood up here and gave a sermon, and I talked about uh, giving prophetic words on Sunday mornings, like Stephanie did this morning up here. And I felt like saying, even those of you who aren't verbal processors, who aren't extroverted, who aren't the most outgoing person in the world, like me, God can speak through you. God can bring you up here to give, you, give prophetic words. It's not people that, anyways, you get where I'm going. Have I done that? Have you guys seen me up here giving prophetic words? Nope. <laughs> Why haven't I? I really want to. I want to come up here. I want to share with you what God is speaking to me. But on Sundays, I'm maxed out. I have to get my family ready and out the door so we can get here on time for service. Um, once I arrive, I take my kids to the nursery and to Sunday school. Um, I'm usually helping, helping with some sort of technical in the issue in the back, the cameras, the computers, or the sound, uh, making, sure, <laughs> making sure Kurt's computer's working, right? I'm doing a lot on Sundays. And truth is, I love all those things. I love having things to do. I love being needed. But it's all about the task. That's all I see. I don't look up to say, ah, God, what are you doing here today? What are you doing here today with these people, with us? And what can I share? All that matters is the task. And so, my excuse is, I'm busy doing all the good things I do.
So I'm busy. The big things I can't do. This is the season of life I'm in. So what do I do? I wait till my kids are grown up, till my wife is healed, and then come up with a plan? That works, right? Then I felt God say something. I felt like he said, I'm not asking you, Josh, to do big things. And to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. If you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in large things. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. These verses are specifically talking about money, but the principle remains true. Little steps end up taking you to his big adventures. So two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago, I was in Chicago for the Chicago Marathon. Um, there were 36,000 runners running 22.6 miles, sorry, 26.2 miles, there we go. I was not one of them. <laughs> I was there for work. Um, I was there to cheer on, uh, I was there to cheer on 1,600, well, 1,650 World Vision runners. And I saw Julianne, she ran past me, she actually saw me and waved out, Josh! It was awesome. I, I got a photo of her too. I don't know, it was random, I got a photo before I even saw her. It was awesome. Um, so these Team World Vision runners were not there running for themselves. They were running, there, running to raise money. And these 1,600 Team World Vision runners raised almost $2 million for clean water. That's amazing to me. What's even more amazing is the majority of those Team World Vision runners had never run a marathon before. And the majority of those had never run any kind of race in their life. They were, when they started, they were unhealthy, they were overweight, they were under-exercised, there were a lot of elderly people running it. They were not athletes. But there's one thing that all 36,000 runners had in common, whether they were elite athletes or walking. They trained. Every one of them trained for this marathon. They did not get up the day before and say, I'm gonna run a marathon. They'd been training probably at least for six months, I think. Some of you might know better than I do. Now, here's the thing, the training, all of them train differently. The elite athletes had these, have these massive training programs. The walkers, they still train, but it wasn't, they weren't running 20 miles, they weren't running 10 miles but they had a specific plan. Each one of them had a specific plan that they were working through to make it to the goal. And the better the plan was, and the better they followed the plan, the better the chance was they had to succeed. Now, I'm not a marathon runner, and I have no desire to ever run one, ever. Um, but I can appreciate the work and dedication it takes to train. 
And I think this is what God would say to us today. We are always in training. Sometimes it's training for a specific purpose that he has revealed to you and you're going after it. But sometimes he chooses not to reveal that specific purpose to you. But we are always in training. Mario and Sherry, they were not they have not been training for the specific purpose of selling everything so that they could go out and serve Jesus. But I can tell you for over the 16 years that I've known them, they have been in training. They have chosen to follow God. They've chosen to see what he's doing. They've chosen to listen to him. They've chosen to take chances and see if God's in it. And not that I've seen this, but I think they would probably tell you, I've failed a few times. And this season that they're going into is not the end. It's the beginning. And they're gonna be training for the next thing. So I look at where we're at in Luke and what Jesus has been doing with the disciples. He's been training them. They don't understand what he's training them for, but they're being trained. And Jesus is taking them on a journey. First, they, he asks them to follow him. And then he starts telling them about, hey, here's what the kingdom of God is like. Here's what life on earth is like. Here's what, here's what ministry is like. And then, after a little while, he starts sending them out to say, here, try this on. Try this out for a bit. They failed a bit, but they also saw successes, right? But they learn, they grow, and they do the next thing. And Jesus is preparing them for the day that he leaves earth so that they have the tools they need to be ready for that. And to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. Now, God is a big God, right? And if after my sermon, my last one, I had actually come up here the next week, stood up here and given a prophetic word, God could have used that, right? He could have done something through that. But I think I've actually done something a little bit better. I've started training. I started training at home with my wife and my kids. Every day before, and this started after my last sermon, every day before uh, I rush out the door for work, I gather together at the door with my, uh, with my kids and wife, and we pray. Or I pray, I guess. And I don't just pray a standard prayer. I don't have a prayer that I give every day. I pause for a moment. And I say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say? And then I pray that. Now the truth is, there's a lot of times it doesn't feel effective. Is this making any difference? 
Am I actually accomplishing anything here? The kids are jumping up and down, they're screaming, they're yelling, they're fighting, they're arguing, they're tugging, they're, they wanna do their prayer, they wanna do this thing. But my wife sees the difference. She's seeing the change in them. I'm leading my family prophetically. I'm training. If I've never run a marathon before, I'm not gonna start the first day and go out and run 10 miles. I'm not gonna probably even run five miles the first day. I'm gonna start small. And I'm gonna build my muscles, I'm gonna build my endurance, I'm gonna build my confidence, my mental strength, my emotions. So just with, as with prophecy, which by the example, by prophecy, this is just an example. This isn't necessarily, the, in my mind, the be all and end all of everything that I'm going after. This is just something in my life that I feel like God has put in my heart that I wanna go after. But with prophecy, at home, I'm building my muscles. I'm learning, I'm training my ear to hear what God's saying, to hear what the Holy Spirit's leading me to. I'm building my trust and confidence in God. I may not ever actually stand up here and give a prophetic word. That may not be what God is calling me to actually do. But I'm going to train. I'm gonna take those little steps and train so that I can hear that. So whatever it is that he does ask me to do next, I'm ready for it. So how about you? After Kurt speaks, do you ever wonder, can I actually do this empowered stuff? Do I have what it takes? Can God actually use me? Do you feel too busy, too maxed out, unable? The God of the universe is asking to train you. And through you, he will change the world little by little, more and more. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in, the, in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. We have a good God. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I didn't come so they could have busyness and so I could add more to their life. I came that you could have life and have it abundantly and have it empowered. He could be training you for international missions. He could be training you for local ministries. He could be training you to lead a church or a small group. He could be training you to prophesy. He could be training you to lead your family into deeper, more intimate relationships with Jesus. But let's not be overwhelmed or focused or distracted by those big things. Let's start with the small things. Now, the truth is, that's actually tough for me to say. My personality, I want the bigger, the better, the faster, the stronger. 
I don't want little. <laughs> but that's also not what I see in the Bible. It's not what I see God doing. He takes you from this to this to this to this. He starts small. He wants to train you. What matters today is getting out of distractions and doing the small thing. The rich man, if he had stopped at his gate and given food to Lazarus, which he had plenty of, both of their lives would have changed. If the rich man had done the small thing, I know he would have experienced God's presence in that place of training. I know this because I've actually seen this in my own life. So Luke 16. Let's let that grab our hearts. Let's stop and consider the distractions. What are the small things that God is doing in your life today? Do you have a job? Do you go to school? What's the small thing that you can start doing? Can you stop before you walk in the door and pray? Ask God to lead you? It's a small thing. You're not walking in there to lead somebody to Jesus, but you're praying, it's a small thing. Do you have a roommate, a spouse? Do you have kids? What's something you can do with them? What's a small thing? Can you write a note? Can you pray for them and ask the Holy Spirit what, what he wants you to pray? I'm going to keep shooting for coming up here and giving prophetic words. But that's just a desire in my heart. I'm not gonna sit on the couch and wait for it to magically happen. I'm actually gonna train. I'm gonna train my ears so that if I do come up here, if I do hear God, I'm ready. So, can the worship team actually come up here for a second? Um, while they're playing, I want you guys to think. Um, think about the distractions in life right now. Consider what's going on in your life. The busyness, the fullness. Keeping your head down and can't see anything else that's around you. Is there a small thing that God would ask you to do? Is there a small thing that God would ask you to add to your life to start this training process? Are you ready to get off the couch and start training? If you haven't been training, if you have been training, are you ready to take that next step and move into the next phase of training? So, grab a pencil, a pen, a piece of paper. Take a note on your phone. Send a text to yourself. Send a text to your wife or your closest friend or your husband. And say, this is what God's asking me to do right now. Here's the small thing that I can do to start training. Is that good?
So God, this morning we we ask and we listen, God. What is what is that thing, God? Turn our our ears, turn our vision, our thoughts towards you this morning, God. As we, I like the term, Josh, as we train, God. We just ask for these steps, this unfolding of your plan in our lives, God. Help us to ever more clearly hear and understand what you speak this morning, God. Reach down in front of you in your chairs as your communion cups. And the bottom cup is the bread. And As we reach our finger and break it, God, we say, oh, just break us. God, I just think of break our hearts for what breaks yours, God. May we ever clearly, God, hear you this morning, God. Take that together. God, we take the cup, the second cup, God. We thank you that your plan is so awesome. And your plan was Jesus, God. And, and that your plans continue to unfold, God. And so we look forward to those, God. We look forward to hearing what's next. In Jesus' name.